Welcome to Where the Big Boys Play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro, our week-by-week breakdown of WCW's flagship show where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing. I'm your host, Tim Root, and with me, as always, is my broadcast partner, the immortal Dave Amantorp. Dave, how are you doing this week? Helter Skelter, Tim. Helter Skelter. As Mongo is my witness. (laughs) It's time to get that (laughs) alimony back. (laughs) It is indeed, because it's February 19th, 1996, and we are coming to you from Salisbury, Maryland at the Wicomico Civic Center. When I read the show was at the Wicomico Civic Center in Salisbury, Maryland, I was like, that is entirely made up. (laughs) We have a sellout crowd of 4,700 fans, 3,800 of whom paid for a total gate of $41,000, which is doing pretty great by WCW standards. And it's 41000 more than they made last week. Well, last week, I think Steinbrenner probably gave them money. We just don't know how much money. Oh, I, d- I like to think that they didn't. <laughs> Maybe just let them hang out with, like, uh, <laughs> Scott Brocious for the day or something. Sweet. Or Paul O'Neill, you know, <laughs> one of those fucking asshole Yankees of yesteryear. <laughs> anyway, let's we got we should be past that. We should be over <laughs> the Yankees this week. Before we get into this week's show, I do want to remind everyone that you can find us at Facebook.com slash twenty years of nitro. On Twitter at twenty years of nitro. You can email the show at twenty years of nitro at gmail.com. You can find us on piledriverwrestling.net in the OSW podcast section. And Dave, you know where else you can find us? Where's that? On the freaking awesome network at freakingawesomenetwork.net. Freaking awesome. With all of that out of the way, we are with you this week with a huge show. We've got a Flair Savage rematch. Uh, or return match, as WCW likes to call it. Yeah, we got return matches galore tonight. Which is interesting because the Hogan and Arn Anderson uh, match is actually called a revenge match. What? So uh, <laughs> if it's Flair Savage, it's a return match. If it's Hogan and Arn, it's a revenge match. The announcers claim that Hulk Hogan has never lost to the same man twice, and I feel like that's not true, but I also can't think off the top of my head of who's beat Hogan twice. Actually, what I, I thought that Mongo said was that no one's beat him twice in a row. That okay. He, I think he was trying to say twice in a row. And that might be true, too. Can you think, if, from at least from his WWF days, if you forget his, like, early heel work in the AWA that, like, you know, we've not seen. Right. Can you think of anyone up to this point, February 96, who has beat Hulk Hogan twice? Forget about even in a row. Has okay. anyone beat Hulk Hogan twice? Um... I don't know, maybe The Undertaker? Maybe The Undertaker? Or maybe if you like include house shows. 
Warrior? No, Warrior probably no, only faced Warrior him only, once. Yeah, faced him the one time. Um, I, I'm sure Piper's beaten by Countout that a could couple be. times. The, Piper's probably your best bet. Yeah. That would that would probably be the best chance, yeah. yeah. Uh, Pepe is wearing a little sweater and a hat. Just a just very general costume this week. It's cold. It's Maryland. We're going to get Anderson and Hogan in their uh, revenge match first, and Arn Anderson comes out with woman. Hogan comes out to a pretty nice babyface reaction. Bischoff uh, claims that he hears incessant whining from the northeast part of the building. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that supposed gag order that was placed on him to not talk about WWF. I mean, that's pretty... I don't want to call it subtle, but it, he doesn't use the name or like allude to Vince or other promotions. Right. He just refers to the same region of the building that WWF is in in the region of the country. Yeah. No, I, I put those two together. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> virtually anyone would. Yeah. Um, I, I I think I think it kind of throws Mongo off. He's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but again, the the whining, you know, would refer to all that. Uh, we, we read last week the letter to Turner over the blood. We talked about the FTC complaint. Mm -hmm. We talked about the interviews he's given about how he's got no choice but to move uh, Raw an hour later. We've talked about the ad he put in the New York Times. God, it just the list goes on of stuff that he's done, like, literally in the past two to three weeks. Yeah, you know? and, and you know what? If you listened to last week and we, when you talked, when you read the uh, letter, he is whining. He is, it's absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to mention as well because I said last week about how Aaron Anderson was really excited about having a valet. Yeah. Uh, he still seems excited, but for some reason this week, Woman does not seem like into it because he kind of insists that she does like the spin around. A little turn, yeah. And she really looks upset at the whole idea. <laughs> Maybe she just doesn't like being told what to do. Yeah, which is reasonable. Hey, fair enough. <laughs> Although, when your name's woman, it <laughs> right. feels like you're probably inviting that. <laughs> Not that I'm saying that women inherit, but, like, her whole thing is, like, I am a woman, I am objectification personified, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, this match starts on the outside. Hogan chokes Arn with his jacket and punches him in the head, so Hogan's mm. starting off strong with his heel tactics, just <laughs> right. like last week. Hogan's eye is uh, bandaged up from last week. Back in the ring, Hogan hits a weak clothesline and some more punches. The announcers play up the recent Dungeon of Doom Four Horsemen Alliance, which is stronger than ever now that uh, Brian Pillman, which was the one wedge between them, mm -hmm. has left the company. Arn blocks Hogan from shoving his head into the turnbuckle and does it to Hogan. He comes off the second rope, but Hogan catches him with a punch. Uh, Hogan then chokes and bites Arm on the mat as Woman screams. Bischoff plugs uh, the appearances by Hogan, Flair, Sullivan, Savage, and Vader on Baywatch this week, although he does mention that Vader left WCW with his tail between his legs after getting beat up by Paul Orndorff. Yeah, I, I, I felt the part where they mentioned the backstage fight with Paul Orndorff. That's really, that's not very uh, classy move to do. <laughs> it's not. I, I feel like they're probably only doing it because Vader is in wwf right now yeah you know if he had just been off in the indies or in japan they would have just not even mentioned him right and that that's probably like you know that's probably the closest he can get to making fun of wwf right so right he's like well there's my in uh, an irish whip by hogan to arn whips him into the corner and then hits a splash he then tosses the enforcer to the outside he rolls to the outside, gouges Arn in the eye, and starts choking him again with a Hogan scarf that he borrows from a fan sitting at ringside. <laughs> he levels Arn with some chops before tossing him back in the ring. 
Uh, it is all Hogan so far in this match. Yeah, and lots of cheating. Bischoff plugs the upcoming WCW Uncensored pay-per-view. Uh, it's long had the gimmick that it's an unsanctioned pay-per-view. Like, so the the uh, board of directors or the executive committee or the championship committee or, or Nick Bockwinkle or yeah. whoever's in charge this week. <laughs> uh, they basically, they don't sanction anything that happens on the pay-per-view. One wonders why they then put it on every single year. <laughs> um, but the, it's sort of a Extreme Rules uh, theme gimmick pay-per-view. <laughs> Hogan continues to dominate Arn, slamming his face into the mat a few times. Uh, Bischoff tells us that Nitro is the most watched wrestling program every week, and it's not even close, folks. <laughs> Which is an out-and-out out lie. <laughs> it does, you know, most weeks lately it has been winning, but it yeah. is very close. <laughs> I like how he just ups the ante when it comes to his lies. I mean, eventually it'll yeah. be like, he they never lost. Hogan continues to dominate... Uh, a chant breaks out, and I want to say that it's Hogan sucks, except for they seem behind him every other moment in the show. So I couldn't. Could you? Did you notice that chant? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought so. I didn't. I couldn't remember if like saying someone sucks was like a chant in the mid nineties or We've not. We've heard Hogan sucks chants before. Okay. Um, it, it did kind of sound like a Hogan sucks chant. Okay. I, I, I which is reasonable because this match is pretty much garbage. Arn finally gets in a tiny bit of offense, but Hogan catches his uh, kick attempt, and Arn tries calling for time, which is one of my favorite yes, Arn Anderson yep. moves. Hogan punches Arn so hard that Arn falls backwards and up and over the top rope. Yep, in which uh, Heenan thinks that he should be disqualified for, which I I just don't understand the rules as far as over the top rope is concerned. Yeah, <laughs> other than Starcade, we have yet to see that rule enforced in a single match. Was the one time was it against a New Japan guy? Yeah, <laughs> how convenient. <laughs> Bischoff tells us that tonight we'll see Alex Wright versus Loch Ness and the debuting Belfast Bruiser against Brad Armstrong. He says Armstrong is hoping to get a shot at the cruiserweight title, Ooh. a new championship that we'll be hearing a lot more about in the future. Nice. Arn gets control with some punches, but runs into two Hogan knees. He then gets uh, back into it with a DDT, but Hogan no sells it and hulks up. <laughs> Hogan hits some punches and a big boot, and he plays the crowd, who pops huge. So, again, if they were chanting Hogan sucks, it must have been a small but vocal minority of them. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Hogan goes for the figure four rather than the leg drop, apparently having learned nothing from a week ago. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan shows up to try to interfere, but Macho Man stops him. Uh, Nick Patrick just sees Macho Man nearby and calls for a DQ. Yeah. Makes no sense. <laughs> Which, because remember last week, you could you could parade in the ring and do whatever you want and I could DQ, but this time yeah. the mere presence of Savage uh, though I do think he had a chair so uh, I don't know uh, so Bobby instantly puts over the fact that Arn Anderson uh, has picked up an unprecedented second win over Hulk Hogan uh, Mongo asks for a ruling on this <laughs> which I don't know who he's asking right. for like <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, there was at least a billion times before that in which Hogan could have been disqualified. So I, I don't yeah. disagree with the fact he eventually got disqualified. Uh, according to Kevin Sullivan, much like the first victory over Arn, this was also the idea of Jim Barnett to quash the backstage uh, Flair versus Hogan division in the locker room. He says that he went to Hogan with the idea that he lose to Arn again, and Hogan was hanging out with his posse of lackeys, uh, Jimmy Hart, Brian Knobs, Ed <laughs> Leslie... 
He says they all told Hogan not to do it. They told uh, Sullivan that he was supposed to be protecting Hogan, and Sullivan replied, you know, no, I'm trying to make money for this company, uh-huh. which includes, at times, protecting Hogan. But Hogan, he says, was was willing to do it again. Uh, I guess you can see why Hogan's willing to do it as he, the entire match is just him getting offense in. Yeah. So sure, Arn won, but it's by DQ, and he looked like a complete chump the entire match. Yes. <laughs> this was a shitty, shitty match. Yes. It's so, so selfish. Uh, yep. So... It's, I mean, it's so Hogan-esque to be able to point and say, I put Arn over twice in a row, two <laughs> weeks in a row in, in Nitro, and yet week one he ends standing tall, and week two it's his offense the entire time. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we go to a commercial promising uh, us that after the commercial is going to be Alex Wright versus Loch Ness, Bischoff unnecessarily warns us that this won't be pretty. <laughs> Uh, believe me, Bischoff, I was watching last week. I know this won't be pretty. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> After the commercial, Wright comes out to his uh, German techno that I, I actually always enjoy quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I want everyone to hear uh, what Heenan says <laughs> about uh, once you see Loch Ness coming out. Well, you're right about that, Bischoff. This is a monster from England. Wait till you see what this man looks like. Wait till you see the girth, the size of this man, the aroma of the man, the scowl, the face, half his teeth are gone. He is a monster. (laughs) Well, what can you say after that introduction? The man is huge, and Mr. Wright better do some flying acrobatic wrestling moves tonight, or he's going to get squashed. Jimmy Hart bringing out this monster of a man who came out at Super Brawl did everything he could to step inside of the steel cage with Hulk Hogan. And I'll tell you what, you talk about a mismatch, you talk about David and Goliath. We're gonna have that match for you when we come back. Whatever you do, don't leave us now. Boy, I'll tell you what, I would hate to be Alex Wright. Dave, do you want to experience the aroma of Loch Ness? <laughs> God. <laughs> I also like the Loch Ness now has like some sort of like vintage movie monster like theme music. That's now. exactly what I wrote. It sounds like <laughs> the silent film uh, score for a horror movie. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's great. Yeah, I, it's I mean, it's so per- it's it's what a guy if you had a giant fat guy like this like I don't mean like Bull Dempsey but a giant fat guy like this in NXT mm-hmm. he would have this music like ironically. You yeah. know, because, like, we're playing off that idea. Like, but this is 96, and it's WCW, and they're not ironic at all with it. They're just like, right. yeah, you know? <laughs> but, like, this exact gimmick would work now in NXT if you had a guy that could just work a little better than Loch Ness can. <laughs> That's not asking a lot. <laughs> it's, not, it's really not. <laughs> we get a commercial, and uh, as we get back, it's time for this match to start. And Wright does his best at the beginning to use his quickness to simply avoid Loch Ness, uh, but he's eventually caught and tossed by his hair. Wright gets behind Loch Ness and gets like a waist lock, but he, he can't reach his arms around Loch Ness. Oh, and comical. Bischoff, <laughs> Bischoff asks, like, what exactly are you going to do when you get, <laughs> like, what is this position going to help you do? It's like he's going for his German suplex, which is in his offense. Right. But if Alex Wright could <laughs> German suplex Loch Ness, I would just, I would, like, mail all my money to Germany, <laughs> care of Alex Wright, one Germany lane. <laughs> one. <laughs> German town, Germany. 
Uh, Wright finally lets go and hits a couple of drop kicks on Lock Ness in the corner, which Lock kind of sells. Uh, Wright charges for a splash, but Lock Ness catches him and sort of helps him up onto the top rope, <laughs> where Wright locks in a sleeper. I it I don't like it can't be what was planned, but I don't know what else was supposed to happen. Bobby points out that Loch Ness is on the ropes, and thus the hold should be broken. Uh, but neither the ref nor Bischoff seems to give a shit <laughs> about that very salient point. Ness instead reaches back and throws uh, right down to the mat. Off the ropes, Wright jumps at Loch Ness, who catches him in a bear hug. Wright sort of boxes Loch Ness's ears to escape and hits a couple more drop kicks and some kicks in the corner. Bischoff calls them back leg round kicks, and I, I only point that out because we've never talked about it on the show before. If you took a shot for every time Bischoff says back leg ground kick <laughs> on an episode of Nitro, you'd, you'd be dead by this point. <laughs> right with punches and a big running elbow. And I hope that Scott Riggs is not seeing how much offense Wright is allowed to get in this match <laughs> because he will be feeling awfully bad about his position in the company. <laughs> he was squashed in like 20 seconds, and here we've had a full, I don't know, two and a half minutes of Wright just getting in offense. Feels like a lot longer than that, though. <laughs> Wright goes for another splash, uh, but gets a kick to the gut for his troubles. Loch Ness then just goes right to his big falling elbow for the victory. Mm -hmm. uh, the finisher is perfect for a big fat guy like that. I think I said that last week. But yep. anyway, so this was less of a squash. Um, it still came off as a squash because I don't think that Loch Ness is no selling. I think that Loch Ness can't sell. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both probably. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Loch Ness screams at the camera about Hogan and covers it in his spit. Yeah. It is gross. <laughs> his music plays again, and I flat out love it the second time through. Like, I was looking forward to it yeah. after he won. And and also, Loch Ness has, like, the the very stereotypical, awful British teeth. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Although I actually think it helps the character. Well, like, no, it, do it does, but, like, you, you rarely see someone that has, like, like what those fake goofy teeth look like yeah. as real teeth. <laughs> but I, I also wholeheartedly agree that his new theme music is, is awesome. We get a commercial and as we come back, we get a promo for WCW Saturday night. Apparently that show is going to include a match between Johnny B. Bad and Chris Benoit, which sounds awesome. Also Conan will take on uh, Scott Armstrong who looks about 16 in the picture they use of him. <laughs> uh, some of you may know Scott Armstrong as a current WWE referee. Uh, and you may remember, I, I've always thought this was really funny. They released him. This probably now is like four or five years ago. WWE, he was a ref and they released him. No big deal. You know, they just release guys from time to time. Mm -hmm. And then like a year or maybe two years later, uh, when they announced that Bullet Bob Armstrong, his father, was going into the Hall of Fame... Suddenly, he just reappeared as a referee. Yeah, like I wonder how that happened. <laughs> It'd be wouldn't it be weird to work in a place where you know that it only happened as like a part of your father's negotiations for his leg legends contract? <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Armstrongs, the Belfast Bruiser comes out to face Brad Armstrong in what Bischoff tells us is a rematch from Saturday Night. I was also going to mention from that Saturday Night promo that yeah. they was also going to have Sting and Lex Luger versus Public Enemy. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I thought that that would be a really interesting like mix of uh, styles to watch. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a, that. I think this is one, you know, every like month or so we get like a preview for a Saturday Night where we're like, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. This one sounds really interesting. 
And, you know, I've mentioned uh, that I completely legally found uh, all of the episodes of Saturday Night from this year. Uh, and I, I do try to watch them, but unfortunately the quality is really, like, pixelated. Mm-hmm. So I, I end up kind of skipping around. I, I'm not into it as much as the clean uh, nitros that you can watch on the network. Uh, Bischoff tells us that the Belfast Bruiser is in WCW for one reason and one reason only, and that is to fight Lord Steven Regal. And also wear a shitty jacket, too. <laughs> That jacket is just god awful. Yeah, it's like a studded black leather jacket with a uh, one half of a football shoulder pads like attached to it. Yeah, it's it really just, weird. It looks like someone looked went into like the prop closet and found like the first thing that looks tough. But it's <laughs> it's, it's as soon as I saw it, like you can tell by the look on his face that he's like, "This is dumb. I wish I wasn't wearing this." Yeah. Uh, to say that Bruiser is in WCW because of Lord Steven Regal is true in a number of ways. Uh, in kayfabe terms, it's true that they're kind of playing off the Northern Irish, uh, you know, rivalry with the English. Uh, but it is also true because Steven Regal uh, is the one who recommended that they hire uh, the Belfast Bruiser. Oh, nice. Uh, it's not. It wasn't only him, as Sullivan says that he had also had a phone conversation with Terry Funk, who said that uh, Bruiser was one of the top five workers he'd ever worked with. Uh, so that had a big hand in getting him the job. Hmm. The Belfast Bruiser, of course, is Dave Finley, who many will remember from his time with WWE. Uh, he is a second-generation wrestler who started in his father's promotion in Northern Ireland, and he wrestled all over the Ireland, uh, both North and South, throughout the United Kingdom, Japan, and Europe, and eventually America, including a tryout match with the WWF in 1989 that didn't obviously didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. He has one hell of a mullet also at this point. Yes. Uh, for those of you who remember WWE or like EC, God forbid, WWE CW. Yeah. Uh, that version of Finley, he looks so skinny here. Uh, he, I mean, he's still a thick guy, mm-hmm. but he really like he filled out as he got older. Yeah. Um. Also, I had more of a comment about his mullet. Yeah. Um. Because he, so like the, the base of his hair is like it's all gray. Yeah. But then the mullet part is like jet black. Yeah. It looks like extensions added to the back of his hair to make it look like he has a mullet. Oh, well, you know, you want a beautiful mullet because they're all the rage, but you just right. can't quite grow it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, and he also has a mustache, too, which I seems like it works for him. But just like it, it's weird, like how just like a haircut makes a guy look dramatically different. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of mullets. Brad Armstrong is out in a very generic baby face, uh, like, USA jacket. He oh, is... I, thought, I thought that's how you're describing the mullet. Oh. <laughs> very baby face USA mullet. <laughs> <laughs> he does have quite the mullet. <laughs> he is one of the three wrestling sons of the aforementioned Hall of Famer Bullet Bob Armstrong, along with Scott and Brian Armstrong. Uh, Scott, we already mentioned, but Brian Armstrong worked in the WWE as the roadie and he will be returning in 1996 as the Road Dog. Brad has wrestled in many uh, NWA territories, including Georgia Championship Wrestling. He was an NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship and an NWA Tag Team Champion. He appeared in All Japan uh, as well in a light heavyweight tournament. This is his return to WCW. Uh, In his previous stint with the company, he wrestled as himself and also under two masked gimmicks. First as Bad Street a masked addition to the Fabulous Freebirds, and then mm-hmm. as 
Arachnaman, <laughs> which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. A terrible Spider-Man ripoff that went away very quickly after Marvel Comics threatened a lawsuit. <laughs> That Early '90s WCW <laughs> is a gold mine of <laughs> shit. Instead of calling him Spider-Man, we'll call him Arachnaman. No one will know. <laughs> no one will notice. <laughs> oh goodness! Notably, <laughs> in 1992, wrestling under his own name, he was a WCW Light Heavyweight Championship, which was sort of the precursor title to the Cruiserweight title. Speaking of the Cruiserweight title, as he comes out. Bischoff announces the Cruiserweight Tournament, which will crown the very first Cruiserweight Champion. It's going to happen on two different continents, and more information will be announced over the f- next few weeks. Uh, he does say that the tournament will end in late April in Tokyo, and that WCW will be sending in several wrestlers to compete. He also says that uh, AAA of Mexico will be sending some wrestlers. So that sounds exciting. Yeah, just, I guess you gotta wait and see, like, what matches overseas will we in America get to see. That's a good point. We go to commercial, and as we come back, they start off with a lockup, which uh, comes to nothing, and they just kind of break up as the crowd chants, USA! (laughs) One of the guys isn't from USA, therefore, USA! (laughs) We get a wrist lock from the bruiser, followed by an elbow as the announcers put over WCW's cruiserweights. Bobby, uh, they're just kind of listing the guys who are going to be in this tournament and Mm -hmm. who are great cruiserweights. Bobby includes the bruiser, which... Cruiser, I mean, I it's wrestling and all of this is just kind of arbitrary, but Cruiserweight generally is kind of considered like around 230, I thought, and there's no way that he's under 230. Right. I said he looks skinnier than when he's in WWE, but he doesn't look under 230. Yeah. We get a side headlock takeover for a one count from the Bruiser, and I'm not even going to call all of them. He hits about a thousand side headlock takeovers in this yes. match. Mm-hmm. It is his go-to. He begs off as Armstrong approaches him. Uh, the announcers spend a long time talking about Liz and Savage, uh, and normally I, I don't like when the announcers aren't invested in the match, but in this case, I'll make an exception, because Bruiser and Armstrong work a ton of rest holds within the first, like, three minutes of the match. Yeah. It's it's really strange, uh, the way that they pace this out. Eventually, Bruiser gets Armstrong down and comes off the ropes, but there's some kind of miscommunication, and Armstrong starts standing up as Bruiser comes at him. Uh, so Bruiser just kind of hits him with an awkward-looking knee because he has, like, nothing else he really can do based on the position. Yeah. Looks really bad. Armstrong uh, slams the Belfast Bruiser's head into the turnbuckle, and Finley, I'm just going to call him Finley occasionally because I don't like saying Bruiser a thousand times, <laughs> yeah. and Finley begs off again before sucker-punching Armstrong and taking control. A shoulder tackle by Bruiser is followed by a hip toss from Armstrong for a two-count. Bruiser regains control and is soon on the outside where he slams Armstrong, who is lying on the mat, face down into the ring, which looked really painful. Mm-hmm. Mongo says that the one thing we know about Mr. Armstrong is that he doesn't wear dentures or they would have flown out of his mouth. <laughs> That's the one thing we know about Armstrong. <laughs> he doesn't wear dentures. That's the only thing we know about him. Bruiser drags Armstrong partway out of the ring and slams his leg down on the apron before pulling him all the way out and throwing the leg into the ring post. Back in the ring, he continues to work the leg, including a half crab, into a couple of toehold variations. Eventually, Armstrong gets out, hits a back body drop, and a crossbody off the ropes that send both he and Bruiser back over the ropes on the opposite side of the ring. They crawl back into the ring, and Bruiser gets a backslide for two. He charges Armstrong in the corner, but Armstrong hits a kick to the face. Uh, he follows that up with an okay bulldog, 
I'm always harsh <laughs> on the Bulldogs, but yeah. this one was, he at least used two hands, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. He follows up with a nice looking suplex. He comes off the ropes, but Bruiser gets him with a tilt-a-whirl slam for the kind of out-of-nowhere win. Whew. Yeah. It sounded like a lot happened when I was reading it, but really didn't feel like it when I watched it. What did you make of uh, Brad Armstrong versus the Bruiser, both of whom are making their uh, Nitro debuts? I thought it was an okay match. Um, I don't think it was very inventive (laughs) because it went to a lot of the same spots uh, when they had no idea what to do. Um, Belfast Bruiser... Obviously, like, I mean, I we know him from, like, what he's done since then. Right. He's obviously a really, like, a tough guy. And, and what, I kind of forgot about this feud, but I'm looking forward to, like, the Steven Regal-Belfast Bruiser matches because they should just be, like, European uppercutting the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, during this match, Bischoff announced that Eddie Guerrero is going to face Conan for the United States title uncensored. Yeah. Which should be a good match. Absolutely. And uh, I haven't looked, but I would I would hope that Regal and Bruiser have a match at uncensored. I guess it would depend on Regal's knee because he's out with knee injury right now. Um, from uh, It was that dark match at Clash of the Champions that he had with Benoit where he tore up his knee. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I'm not exactly sure how long he's supposed to be out. So we'll see. Uh, it does seem weird to me that you bring in a new heel to feud with one of your heels. Because like, it's not yeah. like you can turn Lord Steven Regal face. I mean, you'd have to do quite a lot to turn that character face. Yeah, I think they kind of just got into the idea of the, the Ireland versus like England fighting. Right. I didn't really like think f- beyond that. <laughs> I would say that there were a lot of ingredients of a good match here. Uh, it just... They sort of did a lot of things out of order, like starting off with rest holds. Mm-hmm. You know, start off with something exciting, go into your rest holds, and finish with something exciting. Instead, they just started off boring, got more boring, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, shit, that's right. We got to do moves and stuff. You yeah. Know? No, it just um, it, it seemed like that neither guy took like the, took the lead to, as far as the pacing of the match is right. concerned. So, yeah, it just it, it felt like more like a match that kind of like went on for a while and then ended. We get a commercial, and as we come back, the champ, Ric Flair, is out for his match, notably coming out first. I never, never like when the champ comes out first. Yeah. Uh, he comes out with both Liz and Woman. He has on his awesome purple robe, which is, uh, after the pink, is my absolute favorite. Uh, Macho comes out looking surprisingly subdued for somebody who should be going insane at the mere presence of Liz being at ringside. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we see WCW race car driver Steve Grissom at uh, ringside signing autographs. He's the, he's the guy who gave that interview last week, and he's back this week. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Vroom vroom! Still not an athlete. Uh, the announcers are really playing up the evil Liz for stealing half of Macho Man's stuff in the divorce, and then it's funny how when she came back, she was a babyface, mm-hmm. and she still at that point had the alimony and half of his money and property. Right. And no one cared about it. Yeah. It's only after she cost him the belt that everyone was like, oh, she took all of his money. It, well, I mean, I know at some point they they suggest that Ric Flair's living in uh, Savage's yeah. house. Yeah. And that, that the idea that Ric Flair's, like, getting all the stuff that, like, Randy Savage had to give to Liz, which it's I think that I think that's gross to bring that up. Yeah. Um, and also, it just... I don't know, like, she she was um, Randy Savage's valet and betrayed him. They can just leave it at that. They don't have to bring up a divorce that happened years ago. Yeah. I don't know. Just It's gross. 
before the bell, Flair stuts around. Uh, Bischoff claims that Flair left Macho's name on the belt as an insult when yeah. clearly they just haven't changed the nameplate yet. Right. And they've referenced stuff like that in the past because Hogan claimed after he lost the belt uh, to the Giant, he claimed for weeks, you know, that his name was still on it mm-hmm. because they just hadn't got around to changing it yet. Yeah. So the fact that, like, now the fact that two weeks later it's not changed being some grave insult, like, no, you guys are just fucking lazy about changing those nameplates. Yeah. By the way, before the match started, there was a, a part where Flair was outside the ring and he had his arms around a woman yeah. and Miss Elizabeth and started singing, I got the whole world in my hands. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. That is great. I didn't <laughs> notice that. Uh, Flair's strutting around and Macho Man decides to spit at him, which is not the first time that Macho has hawked a big loogie on Flair <laughs> on Nitro. <laughs> we start off with some punches from Savage who takes control and hits a back body drop. Flair begs off, but Macho hits five punches in the corner before Flair turns it into an atomic drop, which sends Savage to the outside. Flair joins him there and tosses him over the rail into some fans uh, that look like bad stereotypes of how you imagine mid-90s WCW fans <laughs> would look. Like, I don't want to be mean to these people. They just showed up to watch a show, but mm-hmm. it's it's not pretty what's happening in the front row of is the it, show. Is it like Hulkamania bandanas and stuff? No, no, it's like rubes as far as the eye can see oh okay <laughs> it's goobers <laughs> goobers <laughs> there's a lot of goobers <laughs> more fighting on the outside uh nick patrick tries to stop it but flair shoves him eventually flair heads back into the ring and woman gouges randy in the eyes back in the ring flair chops and struts they then trade some chops and punches like they do every match these two guys have <laughs> Flair eventually elbows Machu in the face, and Flair flop does uh, the Flair flop, yeah. and both men are down. Flair is up first and hits some more chops. He heads to the top rope for a ricochet-esque 630 splash, uh, but just kidding, Macho Man just tosses him down to the mat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Macho Man locks on the figure four. Uh, the second time that the spot has been done tonight where yeah. somebody puts a figure four on a horseman. Yeah. Uh, would have been more effective had that not happened a half hour earlier. Hogan. <laughs> Flair works his way to the ropes, and he's about to grab the ropes and break the hold, and Nick Patrick kicks his hand. <laughs> uh, it's so weird, and the camera doesn't get a great great angle on it, and probably because of that, the announcers don't mention it. Uh, but it clearly happens. And so I'm, I haven't quite decided if Nick Patrick is supposed to be getting revenge for the fact that he was shoved like 45 seconds earlier, or... If he's so used to Flair doing the figure four and using the ropes for leverage, mm-hmm. and when that happens, he click kicks Flair in the hand. So he might have just been working on muscle memory, yeah. and Flair is in a figure four, and he's grabbing the ropes. I better kick him. Yeah, I think he just kind of had a brain fart there. <laughs> uh, so Flair gets to the ropes again, <laughs> and this time Patrick does break the hold. Savage locks on a sleeper hold, but Flair turns it into a side suplex, and both men are down. Uh, Savage manages to climb on top of Flair for a two count. Randy runs the ropes a bunch as both men uh, like counter and avoid each other several times until Flair finally hits a running elbow and Liz applauds. Flair hits a delayed vertical suplex and both men are down selling fatigue. Back on their feet, they punch and chop some more until Flair hits a shinbreaker and locks on his own figure four. Savage eventually manages to roll it over and Flair is forced to break the hold. An Irish whip from Flair uh, sends Savage into the corner, but Savage gets a backslide for two as woman screams bloody murder. A big right hand from Macho Man gets another two count. We get more chops and punches and another spit from Macho Man as Flair (laughs) begs him for mercy. 
four corner punches from Savage, uh, but Flair again goes for the atomic drop. But this time, Savage manages to kind of drop back further so that he avoids the impact of the move. He then suplexes Flair and whips him into the corner where Flair goes up and o- over onto the ring apron where he eats a clothesline. Macho comes off the top rope with a double axe handle. He calls for the elbow, but Liz gets up on the apron and distracts Nick Patrick while Woman tosses in a shoe. Believe it or not, a Nitro uh, WCW main event match is ending with shoe involvement again. <laughs> but Savage intercepts the shoe and hits Flair with it. He then tosses the shoe out of the ring and pins Flair. For some reason, you see Kevin Sullivan go running by, but he doesn't really do anything. <laughs> Savage pins Flair, but you can't really see it. I it, it looks like Woman must have done something to interrupt the count. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing with her other shoe, just because they love shoes right now. Right. The bell rings, but the match isn't over, uh, which <laughs> isn't the fucking first time in like the past month that the bell ringer has rung the bell early. <laughs> now Hogan is out. And Nick Patrick tries to keep him from entering the ring, which allows Arn Anderson, who appeared from nowhere, to DDT Macho Man. Flair covers him for the three as Hogan fights Sullivan on the outside. The three heels beat up on Hogan until suddenly someone shows up to make the save. Who is it? <laughs> Let's go to the audio tape. Ah. Oh. So uh, they don't really even say in that clip, you might notice, they Bischoff goes like, wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, but they never actually say who this is. Uh, it is Ed Leslie, a.k.a. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, a.k.a. the Zodiac, a.k.a. the Butcher, a.k.a. Brother Brutai, <laughs> a.k.a. a thousand other, uh, the man with no name, did I say that one? Sure. Fucking A. He's <laughs> had a ton of gimmicks. Uh, you know, he's they've sort of been teasing lately this thing where he's been stopping the giant from attacking Hogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he just runs out and he's wearing more or less his old uh, Brutus the Barber beefcake gear. Yep. And he clears the ring and, like, flails his arms around wildly in the stupidest celebration I've ever seen. This is terrible. I, I just can't. I it just, I get so tired of... <laughs> How many chances they give a guy that just has no talent? If you're best, Hogan's, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. The he he's yet unnamed, so this character who has run out, who is clearly Ed Leslie, and keep in mind that they don't say that this is the Zodiac. And for those of you who aren't actually watching the Nitros each week and maybe don't know, like the Zodiac wears face paint over his entire face, black and white face paint, mm-hmm. and he slicks his hair down except for like 
a unicorn spike at the beginning of it. Yeah. And he's got a ponytail. So this guy who runs out right now looks nothing like the Zodiac. I mean, it's the same guy, but it looks nothing like him. Yeah. So without the announcer saying that's who that is, a lot of people are probably left in the dark as to what's going on right now. Right. Uh, Hogan attends to the injured Savage in the ring. Le- Ed Leslie returns to the ring, and Flair once again invades the announce booth. He grabs a mic and puts over Arn defeating Hogan again, uh, but they are very soon chased off by Ed Leslie. Hogan then joins him in the booth, and Bobby hilariously stumbles away, like, towards the camera as he's yes. running away, and it's yes. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan grabs Bischoff's headset and uses it as a microphone, and yells that next week we're going to have a six-man tag match between Sullivan, Flair, and Anderson against himself, Randy Macho Man Savage, and... Booty, booty, booty man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is prob- now, probably not what you expected him to say. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first time this character's been name has been said on television, and it's actually the booty man. Yes. But as this is the first time you've ever heard it, you at this point could be forgiven for legitimately believing that the character's name is Booty 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 Man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which actually would be a better name. <laughs> oh my god. Gene Okerlund suddenly wanders from like just out of the frame. Yeah. He just wanders in with an actual mic for Hogan to yell into. Mm-hmm. Savage grabs the belt, which Flair left on Bischoff's uh like lap when he left yeah and he starts like accusing bischoff of like trying to steal the belt or something (laughs) uh hogan promises that the big booty man is back on track jack and if he can't (laughs) kick your can nobody can christ almighty (laughs) he talks like he say the lyrics for like a children's theme song the big booty man is back on track jack (laughs) good lord (laughs) Gene, <laughs> it's about time he's back on track. Also, what the fuck is his name? <laughs> Gene confirms that uh, he wants that six-man main event next week, and this time Hogan adds yet another booty to the name, calling him the <laughs> booty, 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 booty man. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you look in the background, <laughs> Macho Man is for some reason in Bischoff's face, like yelling at Bischoff. <laughs> About who knows what. Well, the booty man is just over to the side, freaking out, waving his arms in the air. <laughs> it is complete stupid chaos. <laughs> and that's how our show ends. Oh, with my. the debut of the booty, 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 booty man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Dave. Yeah. Of that steaming pile of whatever that was who was your mvp (laughs) oh god well i mean first of all um because like last week was entertaining for all like off the wall was this show was awful for like almost the same reasons oh man uh i would god there's like i would like MVP, I would probably go with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I don't really have like any other good options. Yeah. Um. So I'll go with. It. I think 
because he's saying I got the whole world in my hands. I'll give it to him for that. <laughs> I'm gonna give mine uh, to Randy Savage. We we kind of skipped past it because I was so eager to talk about the booty 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 band. Right. But I actually thought that Flair Savage match was really good. And we've seen so many matches between those two mm-hmm. that have been like just the same old thing that I almost didn't even pay attention to this match because I've seen it so many times. Yeah, I kind of didn't pay much attention to it. But I actually thought it was really good. They're, they both, for whatever reason, this time mm-hmm. brought it to a, a, a new level. Not a new level, but a better level than they've been performing at previously. Yeah. Uh, and so I actually thought the match was good. And whereas I, in 1996, I expect great matches out of Flair... Uh, f- it was a pleasant surprise to see a very good match out of Macho Man at this point. Yeah. So I'm going to give my MVP. T- I also enjoyed him at the end while all this weird shit is happening around him. Mm-hmm. He is just intensely yelling at Eric Bischoff for no discernible reason. Right. Other than Flair left the belt on his lap before yeah. he ran off. <laughs> uh, what was your match of the night? Uh, well, I, I think I'm going to take advantage of what we mentioned a few weeks ago in which you said. Oh, could, segment of the night. Yeah, we, we could do a segment of the night. And I, I think everything that Hogan says in reference to the booty man <laughs> being back on track, Jack. Yeah. All that is just as goofy as his name could be. Yeah. Hogan managed to make it even goofier. <laughs> <laughs> and that's incredible. It's like he's saying, like, you think I'm the lamest baby face on earth? Look at this. Yeah. Look at the booty, 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 man. It's like, it's like Ed, you could be back on TV and hang out with us, <laughs> but you're going to be hazed in the way <laughs> that we're going to ridicule your name every oh, time you're on God. screen. Uh, I'm going to give match of the night, or segment of the night, I'm going to give to a match. I'm going to give it to Flair Savage. I've already kind of talked about why. Mm-hmm. In our Raw recap, Razor Ramon defeated Goldust. Vader resurfaced for the first time since his suspension uh, from former WWF president Gorilla Monsoon. A promo announced that the Ultimate Warrior will be returning to the WWF. Oh, my. The Ringmaster defeated Marty Jannetty. Uh, Undertaker defeated Tatanka. And in the main event segment was a terrible comedy segment where a Larry King uh, impersonator interviewed Ted on a Larry King Live parody oh i think i've seen that uh they have like a they have the nacho man call in and it just they joke about savage being bald um they have uh the huckster call in and they make fun of the all the high heels in wcw finishes recently Uh which you know what fair enough yeah like that's a good point wwf (laughs) they make fun of ted for owning cheap suits uh and then they accuse ted of refusing to talk to the media about all the accusations which are out there, which, of course, is just the shit that WWF is putting out there. <laughs> right. Uh, the mainstream media doesn't give two fucking shits <laughs> right. about all this stuff. They're not banging. The only reason he hasn't talked about it is nobody's fucking asked him, <laughs> you dum-dums. <laughs> I, I really, like, they do this in politics all the time where, like, I accuse you of something. Yeah. And then... I just talk about it all the time, and then I say, like, why are you refusing to address all the accusations? Yeah. Like, you, you I just hate when you manufacture the controversy yourself. That's, yeah. That's unfair. That, I mean, you just described everything of Benghazi. That's Benghazi <laughs> right there. Ooh, angering, like, potentially 50% of our <laughs> listeners. All 10 of them. <laughs> uh, they describe their own ad... WWF describes their own ad in the papers as a report 
and their FTC <laughs> complaint as a federal investigation. <laughs> the balls on these guys. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, in the ratings, that apparently was good enough to win the day as Raw got a 3.1 to Nitro's 2.9. Uh, but it should be noted that Raw was coming uh, after the In Your House pay-per-view, oh, and the yeah. pay-per-view always adds a little bit of a bump to any show. Yeah, so really barely beating them after a pay-per-view is probably not looked at favorably. Especially since the pay-per-view was setting up WrestleMania, the biggest mm-hmm. show of the year. So this is the time when you really should be watching Raw to see what they're going to do with yeah. WrestleMania. So as I mentioned, the Warrior is on pace to return to WWF. Uh, they had been negotiating in December, but it fell through. Uh, and now uh, they got over it. I don't know what I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> so he is on his way back. A lot of '80s guys have been coming back recently. The Roddy Piper in the WWF, mm-hmm. Road Warriors in WCW, Elizabeth uh, WCW, Jake Roberts in the WWF. So we're certainly getting a resurgence of classic names here to kind of all hands on deck through the uh, Monday Night Wars. You know, um, now that I think of it, when I was watching the very end of this Nitro. It seemed like the booty, 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 booty man <laughs> yeah. was trying to do like the, the warrior yes. kind of going crazy thing. Um, and I and then I didn't really think much of it until you just mentioned like this, the warrior coming back. I don't know if they're like, well, we'll make him kind of like the warrior. He'll yeah, act like the warrior. We tried to do it with Renegade. That didn't work. So maybe fucking Brutus can be the warrior this yeah. time. <laughs> Except instead of a name like the ultimate warrior, yeah. we'll call him. The Booty Man. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> so, as uh, we mentioned last week, after the Super Brawl Booker Man incident, Brian Pillman was publicly fired from WCW. Uh, free from his WCW contract, Pillman showed up on February 17th at the ECW Arena uh, and continued the loose cannon character. It was uh, the February. It was uh, Cyber Slam, I think, is the name of the ECW show, which is like a big convention they would have, complete with a live show. Okay. Uh, so he shows up. The lights go off. They come back on, and Pillman is in the ring. He then cuts a promo, and uh, let's go to an audio clip of the promo now. Tonight will be one of the most extreme hours of wrestling. Quit. Hey, wait a minute. you heard 
you as an announcer. You know why? Because I just had an announcer in Atlanta, Georgia. Take away my constitutional rights. I have been fired by Eric Bischoff. He's a pretty popular guy. He's pretty popular with my legal department as well. Bishop, or should I say, off? You can't take away my constitutional right because I'm in Philadelphia where the Constitution... Constitution was written. Now, Mr. Gopher, Mr. 90s whiz kid. The great success story of 96. Former coffee gopher. God, yeah. It's now leading the show in the big time. You are a piece of And on that note, we're going to go to a commercial break. A bombshell has been dropped. Brian Pillman is in the... No, 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 no. No, 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 Joey Styles. You're not running this interview. I am, because I'm Brian Bellman. Anything you tell you a little more. You know what Eric Bischoff is? Eric Bischoff is each and every one of these mother smart marks rolled up in a one giant piece of I guess I guess you guys didn't get that smart marks what's a smart mark a mark with a high IQ Smart marks. Okay. You know what a mark is? A mark is a guy that pays his last $20 on a mark is a guy that believes that OJ didn't do it.
So you know what? I'm gonna do right here, right now. The only appropriate thing Brian Pillman should do. I'm gonna yank out my Johnson and piss in this hell. So as you can hear there, he inevitably gets a babyface reaction and he plays to it for a little bit, mm-hmm. insulting Bischoff, which, of course, the ECW crowd laps up. Yeah. I wonder how uh, much they would lap up if they knew that behind the scenes, Pillman is still under contract to WCW. Yeah. They are paying him to be in ECW. Right. Uh, Paul Heyman received a phone call from Kevin Sullivan saying, you're going to hear from Brian Pillman. So Kevin Sullivan called me and he said, Brian Pillman's going to call you, and it's legal for you to take his phone call. We're telling you up front you can take his phone call if you want to listen to him. Okay, fine. I, I wouldn't have a problem. I'd been talking to Brian anyway. So Brian Shocking. calls me, and Brian says, hey, I have this idea. Let me run it by you, and, and, and it would end up with Brian Pillman in ECW, and he says, I'll, I'll give you one match, and it's for free. And I wanted to do Brian Pillman versus Shane Douglas because we were rehabbing Shane Douglas from his disastrous run in WWE as Dean Douglas, and he really was, at the time, rebuilding his career to becoming our franchise player again. Uh, Eric Bischoff had a sign off on it as well. Brian Pillman uh, got Eric Bischoff to sign a a release. Yeah. But, of course, Eric Bischoff was leery that Brian Pillman was going to use this to jump to WWE. So he gave Brian Pillman a release from WCW to wrestle in ECW if he chose. And the fact is, Brian Pillman would still be paid by WCW as long as he didn't go to WWE, which he was barred from doing by the terms of the release that Eric Bischoff gave him. So, Brian Pillman walks out on WCW. He gets the release in hand, still being paid, which prevents him really from going anywhere that they don't approve of. So it becomes almost a third-party booking. WCW pays for all of Pillman's expenses to come to ECW. Okay. He's on their payroll. We pay him nothing. He shows up. We get to exploit his star power. He gets to exploit the fact that it looks totally legitimate that he's been fired by WCW. He comes to ECW. We are telling you that you are legally cleared to negotiate with him, and if he appears in, in ECW, we will be picking up the check. Yeah. So so Heyman was alerted that this was all in the up and up, that mm-hmm. Pillman wasn't going rogue or anything. Mm-hmm. So Pillman has basically got a like conditional release from WCW where he's released, but they're still going to kind of pay him, so it's not much of a release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he can appear in other organizations, but he cannot appear for WWF. Yeah. Which is part of why they still have to pay him in order to enforce something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I that prom his appearance. I remember when the lights came on, the fans went fucking crazy, and yeah. and it was just I feel like it was a real testament to like the performance of Brian Pillman, right? To find a way to turn these people that were just rabid for him right. against him by the end of that segment. Yeah, he he about halfway through suddenly starts to go off on the fans calling them smarks, you know, basically saying, like, you smart mark internet dorks, maybe not internet so much as dirt sheet reading. Yeah. You know, the exact kind of things that the ECW crowd is true about them, but they probably don't want to hear. Yeah. 
Um, one of my favorite things, though, is one guy was completely prepared for all of this. As in the front row, there's a guy with a sign that says, please, Pillman, don't work me. So not only had he predicted that Pillman would be showing up, yeah. he's like, he knows that this is all a work that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so it's so <laughs> funny. Like, that's the ultimate smart fan. You yeah. Know? Uh, the big danger. So this is this is a quote from the Wrestling Observer. The big danger in this is that wrestlers by nature never trust management to tell them the truth, usually for good reason, but often it becomes a case of extended and out-of-control paranoia. This is only going to confirm and justify in the minds of those who don't trust anything that they should trust even less and will eventually make nobody believe anything management tells them and thus create a worse working environment. So I, I, I agree with that. And he's also, again, always pointing out like, other than, you know, maybe ECW, I guess, and maybe Pillman, mm-hmm. who is this making money for? Like, how does Bischoff and WCW benefit from this? Yeah. And and basically what he's saying is like, well, I mean, it, once we get, like, people copycatting and then before you know it, management's not going to trust what wrestlers are doing or wrestlers are not going to trust that management's telling them everything. Right. That sort of thing. Yeah, so I, I get that. And also, I mean, I agree, like, uh, for the fans, it's really – even though it's like interesting, I I think for like even like a, a a generally educated fan about what's going on, still probably doesn't like catch the whole storyline or or the fact like the storyline moves to a different company. Right. Like I I was watching Nitro at the time. I had no access to ECW. So how does that storyline help me who was already invested in it? You know? Yeah. So it's it's certainly fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And for like your plugged in smart fan, your smart, it's it's fun to watch. Yeah. But I'm not sure how it's exactly translating to anything beyond that. But it's fun for us to discuss here twenty years after the fact, that's for sure. Yeah. So that's it. That's that's our week. Uh most notable for probably that Pillman incident, but secondly to that, I think the week in wrestling will be remembered as the week we finally met the booty man. <laughs> yes. Dave, you you have any other thoughts on the show? Uh, no, except I also uh, we also got introduced to that awesome Loch Ness theme song too. And yeah, that's you, true. You got, you got so there's a that. close third place winner yes. this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well we will be back with you next week as we continue to build up to the uncensored pay per view here, where the big boys play twenty years of Nitro. But big booty man, brother. He's back on track, Jack. And if he can't kick your can, nobody can, brother. Did you see him run for the booty man?